Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Interviewing top sports personalities from around the nation in order to provide you next level insight and analysis into your Cleveland Browns. Blue Wire Hustle proudly presents All Eyes on Cleveland. And now, here is your host, Brad Ward. Welcome to another edition of All Eyes on Cleveland. I am your host, Brad Ward. Tonight, special guest, Sam Penix of Dog Pound Daily. Pro football focus and the Browns Digest joins me to discuss many things, Browns, including the highlight of today. Uh, David and Joku signing a four-year extension with the Browns. How are we doing, Sam? Doing much better with that than Joku news, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. It, it's been a minute, Sam, since we talked. I think the last time we had you on was for a wild and crazy uh, draft last year of the, <laughs> right, the AFC North draft with uh, Doug and Jake and you, and that was a lot of fun. So uh, I'm glad, glad to have you back on. Um, to talk this over so you're a fan obviously uh judging from your reaction of this uh injoku deal let's go over it real quick four years 56.75 million dollars 28 million guaranteed at signing um averages out to be 14.1875 million per year which leaves him being the fifth highest paid tight end in the nfl just below i was just looking at this uh, just below Mark Andrews, um, or above. Is he above, below? I think they said fifth, but it looks like he might be a little bit above him. Either way, um, he's right there in that 4-5 slot, right around Mark Andrews, uh, ahead of Joe New Smith, um, as highest paid tight ends in the league. Uh, you, you seemed happy with this. You're glad they got this done? I am glad they got that done, and... I mean, it is pretty expensive. It's a lot of money to give to a player who is still fairly unproven, but I think it speaks to the confidence that they have in the player that he is, and they're expecting him to kind of back up this contract with his play on the field as he hopefully gets more opportunities moving forward because, you know, through his first few years in the league, when he's been given an opportunity, he's excelled and you know his efficiency numbers from last year are elite like he's up there with the George Kittles of the league the Travis Kelsey's of the league in a you know on a per catch per target basis not to mention his blocking that's that's really good and has gotten better each year so this is definitely a contract geared towards the future and they're expecting big things out of him for sure yeah, to your point, uh, a tweet here from uh, at Sharp Football Warren Sharp on Injoku's 2021 ranks among tight ends, number two in EPA per attempt uh, at 0.44, number two in yak uh, per catch at 6.9, number four in yards per catch at 13.2, and number 16 in catch percentage at 68%. All were career highs, um, as he says here, and this volume wasn't quite there, but the efficiency definitely was, as you just pointed out. Um, and that Watson will use him a ton. Um, that's the idea, right? Is that, you know, he's shown the improvement, but they just haven't gotten him the ball enough. You know, I don't feel this way. I'm very happy they got this deal done. I, you know, I don't really have a problem with it. I don't think it had to be done today. Like I would have seen if you told me that they wanted to see him play one more year under the tag and then offer him a deal, I would have been like, okay, that's fine. Um, but I'm fine with this too. You know what I mean? So I'm not going to get mad at it. I'm perfectly fine with it. I believe he will produce as well. But others will say the naysayers, <laughs> is there always is naysayers, right? The naysayers will say the production wasn't there. 2021, four touchdowns, 36 receptions, 475 yards. Um, and that, uh, 
you gave a bunch of money to a guy who hasn't proven it, as you kind of also alluded to as well. Um, and we pointed out the efficiency numbers. Uh, many, maybe many will be against it, I think, mainly because they they probably had the option to let him play one more year and see one more year. What would you say to people who say that? I think it's a fair criticism. Um, I mean, that was kind of what they ended up doing with Mayfield, right? They Correct. They could have signed him to an extension after, you know, he ended that 21, 21 campaign, you know, on a tear and he looked like one of the best passers in the league. Uh, but they chose to let things play out and they ended up, you know, moving on from him after a year. So, I mean, yeah. in hindsight, had they given him a big contract when they had the chance to, that would have been a really bad decision. Um, but they're taking a different approach with Najoku. And I think it's, it's fair to do that because you have more of a track record with Najoku. Um, as just as far as consistency, because again, while he doesn't have the volume, the efficiency is consistently there and you've seen a year to year progression from him. And it's not, it's not like he's capped out. Like we haven't seen the yeah. best of Najoku so far, and we've seen some really good from him. So is it a risk? Yes, but I don't think it's a risk that is unwise to take. I think it's it's pretty calculated, and I don't have a problem with it, nor would I have had a problem with them waiting another year. So I think it's either way is fair, and they just decided to do it this way, and I think I'm good with that. Let me ask you this in regards to that wait, waiting or not waiting and doing it now. Do they benefit? Will they benefit uh, financially by doing it now? I mean, like, will the market go up for tight ends? Like, if they would have waited a year, do they end up saving money because they did it now? Probably a little bit, right? I think that's definitely a factor that goes into it. Uh, expecting, you know, a season like they're hoping he'll have with, with Watson. I mean, Watson sure. used the tight end position very well in Houston. Yeah. And Najoku is obviously a much more dynamic player than Darren Fells was. So if he yeah. has the type of season that they're expecting him to have with Watson, uh, it would have cost them probably quite a bit more because then they have to compete with potentially other teams, you know, calling, making offers, or they have to, at, at worst, slap a franchise tag on him again. So not only does this save them some money most likely long term if they're correct in you know what Najoku is going to put on the field it also gives them that security and that peace of mind knowing that they have him locked up long term they don't have to worry about that yeah um that i agree with that definitely i think it will end up with what they know about or what we know about Watson and what they think they're going to get from Watson, I think that this will end up looking really smart at the end of the day because he could go out and have a huge year and you saved yourself a bunch of money, right? Uh, now, here's my question about a little bit. Let's, I don't want to get too in the weeds with this because it's all kind of speculation, you know, Sam, but, and we can, you know, <laughs> I can do that for a long time, but, but how, what do you think this, uh, con I mean, we know a little bit about the contract. We probably won't find out until after. Over the weekend, I would think uh, 28 million guaranteed at signing. We know it's 14, around 14 per year. Um, do you think there's an out? Where is the out in this uh, contract for the Browns? Do you think? Do you think it's after 23, two years? Right, that sounds about right. I would I think. Would, right? I would expect it to be somewhere in that range. I can't imagine they, you know, pigeonhole themselves into three years into you know three four years the the duration of the contract um i think they they've learned from what they did with austin hooper um and i mean that contract would obviously in hindsight that was a disaster right but at the time it made a lot of sense given what he was putting up on the field oh, and no doubt yeah even though he was the highest paid tight end at the time uh that quickly changed and you know, at this point, they, they're going to end up having paid him about $22 million for two seasons. So $11 million a year for a guy coming off, what, two straight Pro Bowls? Yeah. You know, that that's perfectly fair, even though it didn't work out. So I think they'll be okay with Najoku uh, as far as, as locking themselves into you know a committed contract like that. 
Yeah. Um, and then we should also expect maybe, maybe this probably, I would think, I don't know. Tell me if you think I'm wrong here, but I would think this probably frees up a little bit of money. Um, mm-hmm. this year, right? Yes. Uh, I mean, they were looking at a $10.9 million hit if he signs the tag. They'll probably knock that down with a signing bonus and give him something. Maybe looking at going from like uh, almost eleven million to probably what like four or five this year. And by the time it's all set and done, and I, and I don't know the exact figures, but is that a good guess? You think? I think it is. You know, that's kind of been their mo with with contracts is basically to make it as make that cap hit as small as possible the first year, and then just continually yes. restart and roll over to the future. So, I mean, you're kicking the can down the road, but I think they, I think they know what they're doing financially and it'll be okay. Yeah. And they're and you're in that window, right? You're in that window. I think where you're in that win, trying to win now windows where I think you start doing that, right? You start trying to maximize uh, your assets year in, year out. So I think that kicking the can is okay uh, at this point. In my opinion, you're listening to All Eyes on Cleveland. Sam Penix, special guest with us of Dog Pound Daily, PFF data analyst, and he writes over at Browns Digest. I'm going to reference one of your articles here in our next segment as we go to finishing the roster. Now, I've been kind of pounding the table, Sam, saying this for a couple different shows that you went out and you got Watson. You paid him the $230 million. We're going through all of this crazy headaches and nonsense and this and that. Why do all of that just to come up short at defensive tackle and, uh, you know, wide receiver, right? Like, why not make sure you have all these pieces in place? Like, I feel like the wide receiver room for me, Sam, is a guy short, a veteran short. Like, if David Bell or Donovan Peoples-Jones or Amari Cooper gets hurt, I don't want to have to depend on Anthony Schwartz and uh, Akeem Grant to take on huge snaps, in my opinion. I think you're running into issues that you ran into last year a little bit if that happens. So I would like to have another guy in there and definitely along the defensive line. Now, there's another question that goes along with this, but I will point out that you wrote an article uh, right over at Brown's Digest, addressing five uh, free agents uh, that would fill uh, the roles here. And one of them they already signed, right? So number one was Clowney. Um, I think you had five, Will Fuller, who is definitely the guy who I'm, one of the guys I'm talking about, wide receiver. You have Chris Harris Jr. in here, which I think makes a ton of sense to bring in a true nickel uh, corner. Uh, because, uh, and we'll get into that more, but reports out of OTAs are that they are moving. It sounds like they're going to try to play. Um, I'm, I'm losing my mind here. Uh, they're going to try to play. Uh, who are they playing at nickel right now? Newsom. Sounds like they're moving Newsom in from mm-hmm. the outside to play a little nickel right now. And I'm not like the biggest fan of that ever. And we can talk about that more here in a minute. Uh, Trey Boston you have on the list. And uh, Akeem Hicks, who uh, we've talked about many times on this show. So, uh, Sam, talk about finishing off this roster and what you would like to see done here. What, like, is there, is there anything that you think, like, has to be done or, and that the other ones are just kind of, like, if they can? Or, or are these all kind of if they can? Um... If I had to make a guess, I would say that they're more or less done with the roster uh, yeah. as it stands. But, you know, if I were in charge, I'd be definitely adding to the the defensive line, first of all. And I do think it definitely makes sense to add a, a receiver. And I think Fuller makes a lot of sense because he does have the injury history and he does have, um, you know, just the. Can't call him a bust, but I guess you know, somewhat of a disappointment. Even though when he's been on the field and healthy, he's been really good, especially in 2020 with Watson. And he already has that that chemistry and that familiarity. So I think if you can get him for a low price and just build a lot of you know games played and stat incentives into his contract, just you know to protect yourself from an injury, I think that makes a lot of sense. Not only to protect yourself against a potential injury and, and just add some depth to that room. But 
because his skill set, his speed to take off the top of the defense, I think that helps your offense a lot because right now, Najoku is your most dynamic threat in that that whole pass catcher group. Uh, so I sure. think it makes a lot of sense. And then someone like Akeem Hicks or, you know, an established defensive tackle because that DT room right now, as it stands, is bar none the worst in the league. And there are no proven starters in that room. And really, everyone in that room, you don't want starting. And <laughs> it's it, like, I think it's an issue. And I know that, you know, something we might get into here later is that it kind of incentivizes teams to run the ball against you. And that's, that kind of goes into the, the strategy. But I just, I don't see how you can look at that defensive tackle room and say, yes, I'm comfortable with, with that group on a Super Bowl contender. Yeah. Let's, let's get into that right now, real quick. Okay. So, I, w- I would expect, with the Browns being who they are analytically, right, that they subscribe to this the this analytics that have come out here that say that, um, you know, there is no correlation, basically, between stopping the run and overall defense, right? It's basically one way that you can look at it. Um, and that sometimes there it even show, the numbers show that, stopping the run or being very effective at stopping the run is just giving the other team uh, a reason to pass the ball more and which ultimately hurts your defense right and, and I would think that the Browns maybe subscribe to that and that probably devalues that position right for teams that believe in this but are they taking it too far Sam if they don't address like like I think of the Chargers game last year, right? Like, you can take this too far. Like, the Browns were running for, like, 14 yards of play against the Chargers last year. They could not stop them at all. Like, they, you can do this to your detriment as well, right? Like, uh, you have to have somebody in there to do something. Remember and you, that and you should game? Yeah, exactly. Or the Patriots, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, I, I don't know where you come out on on the analytics that uh, of that. I mean, are, do you believe in that to that extent? Uh, and are they making a mistake not adding a piece here? Because I kind of feel like they they maybe are. I think you have to look at a stat like that and apply a lot of context to it. Because if sure. you take that stat to its logical logical conclusion, then why would you even like play defensive tackles? Like, right. Yeah. Just, just to get let, to the quarterback, like, right? Yeah. Just ask the other team to run the ball. And I think yeah. what that stat is assuming is that you have a decent or at least passable run defense that you're not getting gashed for five, six, seven yards of play. And if you are like, I don't see how that is beneficial to your defense because you're just letting the other team run up the gut every single play and getting good yardage on it. And yeah, they may not be throwing the ball. They may not be getting those gigantic chunk throws down the field, but it's a consistent wearing down of your defense and they're getting yards. They're getting positive yardage each play. And that's going to not only run the clock down, but they're going to score. And I, I just don't see the benefit in that. So I do think that, Overall, in general, it's better for the defense for the offense to call a run play. But if they're calling a run play because they know they can get eight yards on the ground against you each time, that's not good for the defense. That's not great. Yeah. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And and I think I kind of look at it more as like, okay, not so much a, as a, in a game plan way, but more of like, hey, let's just make sure we're not spending uber assets on this position, right? right. And if we are, it should be because the guy can get to the quarterback, not because he's a huge run stuffer. I like, agree. I guess that's how you would look, look at it, right? 
Um, so there's, like a, there's a balance there to be had. I mean, yes. I don't think you yeah. should be going all the way over to the one side where it's like run defense literally doesn't matter. Yes, totally agree. Um, with that in mind, you know, Hicks and Dominican Sue was linked to the Browns. Uh, did, he, did he sign? Did I miss that? He didn't sign, did he? Um, no, he didn't sign. Uh, Linvel Joseph is out there. I think Ogan Joby is still out on the market. Is that right? Um, somehow. Uh, these guys are all free agents out there. Maybe could come in and help the room. I like Hicks the best, the guy you wrote up. Um, I think, you know, if you bring in a guy that, a veteran, uh, that can come in and, you know, at least for two downs, get right there in the middle up, you know, shade nose and, and just be a presence there. I think that's something that they're probably missing on this defense right now, right? Yep. And I think that, in theory, the way that they're tackling the position, no pun intended, is fairly sound. I mean, it seems that they just want, they prefer the bigger body type, the two gappers who can you know, yeah. plug it and then plug a hole on, on rundowns and just knock it move. And then you rotate in the more athletic, quicker guys on a passing down to get to the quarterback. And you also can move someone like Clowney or Garrett or right inside uh, to give you even more of a pass rush punch there. But while that's true, that only works if the players are up to the task. And I don't think yeah. that we've seen any of the four guys in that room prove that they are. So it could work. And I think that the, the strategy is sound in theory, but I need to see it happen first. And it definitely did not happen last year. So I would be wary of simply running it back with a group that looks even worse on paper. I am uh, with you 100% there, and I do get the feeling, as as you mentioned at the top, that they kind of feel, I get the feeling like they think they're good, right? Mm-hmm. And that's where I get kind of like fired up, like, don't come this far to, to come up short a couple million dollars on, on a veteran free agent at, at, you know, at defensive tackle. Don't come this far talking about everything that's gone on with Watson to come up short at wide receiver on a guy that would have cost you $4 million to bring in for a year. Right? Like that seems insane to me. Yeah. I think that <laughs> they are, you're, you're like, you sound they're insane. Banking, they're banking a lot on some unproven's becoming proven. And yeah, I suppose they have good reason for feeling the way that they do. Like I'm not in the building every day. I don't, I don't see the improvement. I don't see how those guys are doing in the meeting rooms and everything, but just from the outside looking in, it's, it's a risky strategy for sure. And if I'm running a team that is supposed to be competing for a Super Bowl, especially with all of, you know, the other things happening, you know, all the attention, all the distraction, all the assets that I've given up, all the commitments I've made, I want a little bit more security and just solid proven things in those few position groups than they have right now. Totally agree. Um, Let's go, you know, staying along the line of finishing this roster, because you did have Chris Harris in there, who I think is probably the best, like, true nickel corner left out on the market. And and I bring this up because I wasn't so happy when I read this. Now, this is, I'm just going to read a little blurb here. This is from The Athletic. This is from Zach Jackson on OTAs, right? Um, we know the Browns traded away Troy Hill last month. Uh, after dra- drafting Martin Emerson in the third round. So um, Hill was first in line at slot cornerback for all of last season, so his departure leaves a significant void. One week in, it appears 2021 first-round pick Greg Newsom second is the Browns' first choice to move inside and play in the slot in various passing-down packages. Newsom and Denzel Ward are the unquestioned starting cornerbacks for now. Greedy Williams is first in line to enter the game and play outside when Newsom moves inside. But Emerson figures to push Williams for that job more uh, as he gets more comfortable. 
Um, the Browns used both Williams and Emerson as well as their common three safety looks at various points in their seven on seven drills in Wednesday's open practice. All right, so this to me, you know, Sam, when it comes to Greg Newsom, I see like stud, future star. I don't want to move him inside because I love what he can do outside. Like I, and I get that he makes the most sense to move inside, but let's go back then and not trade Troy Hill because I want to make sure he's playing outside. Cause to me, he's like a budding star out there. I don't want to move him into the slot. And that's great that he's okay with that. Um, but like this, this rotation of, okay, if they got two wide receivers on the field, we're going to have him play outside and then we're going to kick him in when, uh, you know, when we got to go against a, a, a three wide receiver front or when we want to go into a nickel defense. Like, I don't know if that's the best way. And Stefanski, you know, goes on to say, you know, uh, he's the guy because he, you know, the slot needs to be a smart player. Uh, he played in there a good bit for us last year. Stefanski said intelligence is a premium when you are there because you have to be able to fit the run assignments uh, and be able to pressure, play man, and play zone. He's a smart player. He is physically built to play inside or outside. He is someone who we will continue to work with in there and is among a bunch of different guys who will still get work there. So, I mean, they're not committing to him in there, but it sounds like, like you know, in this article that they're saying that he's option one for – to play nickel or slot cornerback when they need one. And I don't really am not a a huge fan of that with your first round draft pick corner. Am I wrong? I don't think you're wrong. I think it it does seem a bit odd to take, you know, your first round pick who played so well on the outside and then just move him to the slot. Um, Because the outside corner is such a premium position, Sam. And if you've got that filled with a young guy, like, don't change it up. Right. I, I agree with that for sure. Um, and I do think they'll, they'll cross train everyone. I think they want them all to be able to play both inside and out. Um, but it, the way that things are, are looking right now, it seems like Newsom will be the guy going inside. Um, but I mean, to be fair, it is a starting spot and, so many of the league's best receivers do play from the inside. So you got, you have your Cooper Cups, your Kyrie Kills, all those kinds of guys. And, and lots of teams like to move their, their star receivers inside specifically to exploit the matchup with the opposing slot corner. So if you're able to kind of take away that option from the offense, I think that's useful. Um, Interesting. so I think, yeah, I think there are some ways that it makes sense. Um, I'd probably prefer them to just have a guy there who's played there, who yeah. knows what he's doing already, who you don't have to work there. You know, he'll just, he'll just do his job. And they had yeah. that with Hill, but they decided that, you know, they, they'd rather have that draft pick and that they felt comfortable with moving either Newsom or, or Ward or Williams or maybe Emerson inside there. So I think there is. And I can see how it makes sense. Um, it wouldn't be my preference, but okay. Um, you know, if he's in the slot, I think he'll he'll do well there, and I'm I'm sure he'll get his outside reps as well. Yeah, uh, that's what it sounds like. I I just you know, and and you, you made some really good points there that I didn't think about certainly um, in my uh, utter reaction of reading that today. I just read that today, and I was like, what? Uh, and it makes sense. Like he's body type wise and stuff. He seems to make the most sense besides Denzel Ward, who you don't want to move in there. Right. But yeah, I get them cross training them all. And if sometimes they need to kick in and whatever. So maybe it's a, maybe they attack it, uh, the nickel by, um, like with a group, right. By, by numbers, because you know, when they have three safeties on the field, a lot of time that's going to be covered by one of those guys potentially. Right. So, you never know, right? So, um, that could be the answer. And I, and you made some really valid points there. I just don't want to see a guy that looks so promising in outside corner go away from being what he was really good at last year 
being such a premium position and all, but but some good points. Uh, you are listening to All Eyes on Cleveland. Sam Penix has been fantastic. He's a Dog Pound Daily PFF and Browns Digest. We dove into one of his articles that he wrote earlier, finishing the Browns roster out. Real quickly, let's hit on the future of the running back position. Uh, Dearness Johnson, uh, un, uh, unrestricted free agent. In fact, he hasn't even signed his tender yet this year, but he's in can- or he's in OTAs. Um, I think he he will end up signing that tender this year, right? I believe. I don't think anybody can even go out and sign at this point. I don't, what do they? I think he's what? Either he signs the tender or he signs another deal with the Browns, right? Uh, yeah, for twenty two, he'll, he'll be a Brown this year. For yeah, at least twenty twenty two. Yeah. So, but he's a U, uh, unrestricted free agent next year, as is Kareem Hunt. Chubb is good through 2023, where the Browns have an out after 2023, but, you know, he, they could hang on to him longer or restructure at that point, depending on the wear and tear on his body. They do control their rookie, Jerome Ford, who I am a big fan of, through 2025. And I think people may have, uh, you know, where they're like running back, but I think it makes a lot of sense when you look at the future of this room here, knowing that Dearness Johnson and Kareem Hunt are both uh, unrestricted free agents next year. How do you think this shapes up beyond... 2022 here um do they try to re-up with hunt do they let him go do they try to keep johnson around do they let them both go keep chubb and ford and add another guy how do you think that looks i mean because the teams that do this right just cycle out the oldest guy right <laughs> generally yeah i mean it's a good problem to have um you have four guys in that room who are quality runners you hope with with Ford coming in um I think that they'll uh, this is the room where it's like I could see multiple things happening okay at this point I think it's unlikely that Hunt will be back next year but I could see it happening Mm -hmm. and I think that They'll keep Chubb around. It's mm-hmm. you could technically trade him post June first next year and get some pretty good cap relief, but I think that they'll keep him around. Just I mean, he's he's Nick Chubb, and yes, yeah. he's, he's he's very important to this team. I know he's just a running back, but like this offense does run through him at the moment, yeah. and I think having an elite quarterback will will kind of allow them more freedom. That they don't have to rely on him as much, but he's still the best runner in the league. And I think you, you use him until he becomes not the best runner in the league. And I think the way his contract is structured, they'll, they'll be able to do that. Yeah. Um, I think so too. Johnson. Yeah. It's just tricky, right? It is very tricky. And. I I think that he'll he'll probably just sign that tender and then he'll be a, a free agent after next year because I I, hmm. I don't super see a better option for this team because now that you have Ford you're you're expecting he's going to be a part of the rotation for the next four years um, and you do I think want to reduce your cap hit in that room um, just from a, a pragmatic standpoint so. Yeah. There are a lot of ways they could go about it, and, and really none of them would surprise me because I think they all make a certain degree of sense. Good stuff there, uh, Sam. Yeah, I agree. I have really have no idea how this is going to shake out. You know what I mean? I think it does make sense to cycle, maybe cycle both those guys out of there, at least one of them, right, and get Ford in there. And then, you know, of course you're going to uh, – it's an interesting point you make about Chubb, um, you know, at what value you could maybe get back on trade market, who knows, uh, but more than likely I see them probably keeping him around just because he's Nick Chubb, right, like you said, Um you know, so it's interesting. It's a tricky situation because you've got some guys there that have all garnered some value with the organization, right? Um, you know, Hunt certainly is probably in a position of where he is very, uh, 
thankful to the organization, right? Um, Dearness Johnson, same thing, right? Like they gave him a shot. They've featured him at times. They've given him a career basically, right? So both these players and teams probably really have uh, nothing but good feelings towards each other as they come to the end of their time on this contract and bit where because business becomes business. So it's tough and it's tricky. And you've got this Jerome Ford now. Not to mention that uh, I didn't even bring up uh, who did I forget? They have another running back, but he's more of a wide receiver. Felton, Felt, Demetric Felton. Which they were uh, weren't they weren't they saying that he's going to be working more with the running back group this year? Which I I don't I don't see how you have room for all those guys, much less right. snaps for all of them. <laughs> Right, which I didn't, yeah, that didn't make sense. And they said it right after they drafted Jerome Ford, so that didn't make any sense to me at all. Uh, because I don't know, you know, do we, do they really want to run him between the tackles? Probably not, right? So, um, I don't know. That's, that's, it's all very interesting there, and it'll be interesting to see how that position plays out. Uh, great points there, Sam. Uh, let's move on here to some of the, you know, this stuff, We've hit so many times, so we'll kind of move through it quickly here. I just haven't had a chance to talk with you about it. Do you have an opinion at this point, after all this craziness, the HBO Real Sports Special, Watson, all this, do you have an opinion on what his suspension looks like in your eyes at this point? Um, I'm, I'm just assuming he's going to get suspended at, at some point. Uh, probably this year. I don't see how they, how the league can kind of just not do anything about this, especially mm-hmm. because, I mean, just from everything that we know, all the, all the court stuff, all of the, just everything, the best case scenario is a really bad one. It's an awful look for Watson. And yeah. If you take the best possible scenario, I think you definitely have grounds for a suspension. And that's very difficult as a fan to grapple with because of all the things that this organization said about, you know, high, high character players and, you know, tough, smart, accountable, all this stuff. And at the first sign of, you know, oh, elite quarterbacks available. It was all, you know, thrown away. So it, it means nothing anymore. And personally yeah. for me, like as a Christian, like I have to be able to look the women in my life in the eyes and say, yeah, I'm comfortable with supporting this guy. And even if nothing criminal was done, there's the personal aspect to it. And there's the ethical aspect to it. And there's just so much to the situation. And I still haven't made a decision ultimately on whether I can continue supporting the team. And I know I know a lot of people who, who have just said, no, I can't do it anymore. And I totally respect that. And I just wish we weren't in the situation and I would still be in the situation, even if they hadn't gotten him, because it's not that they got him. It's that they tried to, that they wanted to. And whether, you know, ultimately he's charged with anything or not, or found guilty with anything or not, the stories that have been told and the things that have been admitted to, are disgusting and yeah. terrible. And for this team to get up there and say, this is the face of our franchise. We're totally comfortable with this person. I don't see how you can be totally comfortable with Watson, the person. I don't see how you can tell me that with a straight face. And so it's very difficult. And I think that ultimately the league is going to be under far too much pressure, especially considering, you know, their past with issues like this, not to mention other sports, past with with this and like this is not an issue that you kind of skirt around like you have to be tough and firm on this and you have to set an example and you have to be consistent with that example and that standard that you sent i think watson could end up being uh the the first one to to go down on this and i think that the league again whether whether there's a a guilty ruling or not i think they'll end up excuse me suspending him i can't talk He'll get suspended most likely this year. And I think what can end up happening is they'll, they'll get him for four, four or eight games in 2022. Um, and then maybe something even more, uh, a harder ruling down the line potentially. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, so you think maybe they get them with the uh, the double, like, yeah, we're going to come down with this suspension now, but we reserve the right to suspend you further pending on what comes out during these cases because we're not looking at seeing these cases actually take place until next offseason, right? right? So uh, that's what kind of what you think happens? I think so. I think it'll be uh, a, hey, this this there's stuff that's happened, and we mm-hmm. don't like it that this doesn't line up with our conduct policy, whether it's yeah. criminal or not. And he'll be punished for that. And then they'll wait to make a final ruling pending those cases. Uh, to- totally respect your take on all of that, Sam. Uh, you know, I, my brother-in-law has taken down every Brown's uh, piece of uh, Brown's thing he has off of his uh walls and everything and and basically and i totally respect it like i totally get it like everybody has the right to feel how they want to feel about this so uh i appreciate your uh candor there very much so um baker mayfield's outcome okay so this week panthers waited uh or, or wanted pardon me the Browns to eat thirteen to fourteen million dollars um, is the report this week. Now from Pro Football Talk, I think. Now ESPN reported David Newton from ESPN reported uh, that the Browns were willing to eat up to three point five million dollars of his contract a couple weeks ago. So, and they're both referencing the draft night negotiations, right, right Sam? So. Uh, <laughs> So if the Panthers wanted them to eat 13 to 14 and the Browns were willing to eat 3.5, they were never really close at all. And are they ever going to get close, do you think? Uh, I think with Mayfield, it's really hard to see a fit for him. It's uh, um, I just don't see it, Sam. I just like, don't see even, it. Even the teams like Seattle and, and yeah. Carolina, it's like, well, number one, is Mayfield really that much better than what they'd be upgrading from? Number two, what incentive do those teams have to really upgrade a quarterback? Like, it's better for them to lose and put themselves in a position to get somebody like Stroud or Young or Williams yeah. in 23. Like, are you going to hitch your wagon to Baker Mayfield? And I don't think there's really any team out there that's comfortable doing that. Otherwise it would have already happened. So I think we're just seeing what the rest of the league really thinks of Mayfield right now. And just teams being a lot more willing to take, take advantage of a really weak quarterback class instead of going after Mayfield, because even if the Browns didn't have to pay any of the salary, that's like $18 million, right? That is so cheap for a starting quarterback in today's league. Yeah. So what does that tell you? That tells you that the rest of the league doesn't view Mayfield as a starting quarterback. And I think based on the play he put up last year, that's entirely a fair assessment. You do have the high-level flashes that we saw in 21. Yeah. And I think if you're paying $18 million for that guy, that's a steal. But how confident are you that you can get that guy? It doesn't seem like the rest of the league is confident. So I think at this point, what what's most likely is that he'll just stick on the roster for the whole year until he's a free agent and the Browns will, will just stay strong and they, they won't budge. They won't cave. They won't pay the majority of his salary for him to play for another team. Um, unless the, the draft pick wow. compensation is, is worth it, which I don't think it would be. Um, the only other option would be, you know, if there's a big injury to somebody and a team gets desperate and they see Mayfield as the best option on the market. So I think yeah. he is the best option out of all the quarterbacks available, I think he's better than Garoppolo. And I think you know, he'll obviously cost less than Garoppolo uh, cap-wise. So if there is an injury to a, a starter, a starting quarterback on a contender, 
or on a team that wants to contend, I think then there's a door that opens up for Mayfield to, to be traded. But at this point, I don't think it's likely. Man, they're just, yeah, you look at uh, all the teams out there, and I'm like, even if he was granted his release, right? Like, and uh, say by, you know, it's never, it would never happen, but say they came together and he was willing to eat a little bit of money, right? Uh, to, uh, give back some of his contracts to get free, right? And go get a chance to play. Cause this is a critical year for him, right? Like, as far as next contract and whatnot, right? So, and he went out into the open market. And he could go anywhere. I don't even know then, Sam, if he would be able to find a place that would start him. Now, that's not saying that he, like, teams don't look at him as better than their current option. But teams already have plans in place, to your point, like, hey, we're going to roll with this guy. We're probably going to lose this year. And we're going to come back with a, a long-term solution in the draft next year. The only place that, wa- that for me, Baker fits is if you need a stopgap for like a year, right? And there's just not many of those positions out there right now where the answer is on the other side uh, for them already, and they just need a guy to fill the space for the year. The only play- time that potentially comes up <laughs> is in Cleveland if for some reason Watson were suspended for like an entire season, right? Right, and I, I don't see any way that, Mayfield ever puts on a Browns uniform again. So even me, in that situation, like it's Brissett and Mayfield's not even an option. So it's just, it's a really difficult situation. And I know a lot of people are angry at the team for not trading him sooner, you know, and the way they handle it. But it's like, if this is the way the rest of the league views him, like how could you have handled it any differently? Like right. you saw the opportunity to upgrade. And you yeah. made him fully aware that they would do that if the opportunity presented itself. And like, should they really have had to do that? Like, I don't think Mayfield can really argue that he's deserving of, no, we're, we're completely comfortable with you right now. Like there's, there's no other option. It's you. Yeah. We're completely committed. Yeah. Like you just haven't put up the level of play needed to earn that. So, I mean, he had to know this was coming and I don't think anyone was disrespected in the situation. I think it's, it's a, it's a business and Absolutely. I think he, he understands that. And while it does hurt, like I'm sure it hurts his pride, it hurts ego, it hurts his heart because, you know, this was the team that, you know, like he, he fits so well with, with the city and everything and, and just yeah. the whole, like, I'll never forget that first Thursday night game that he, he yep. went on the field and, and it, everything just looked so, so great and things were looking up and, and that whole rookie season, like it, it was, it was really special and it's, it's sad how things have turned out, but you know, it's a business and you don't earn the right to stick around indefinitely with that level of play. And I think he understands that and that, that's how the rest of the league use it as well. Yeah. Yeah. He's in a tough spot, man. He's in a tough spot. I don't know. Here, one thing I would say that I think I wish the Browns would have done a little bit differently. And this is not like, I don't, I'm not of the uh, thought like, you know, the Browns organization have been kind of getting killed on their treatment of Mayfield. And I don't think it's necessarily fair. Uh, I don't think people are accounting for all of the factors in, in, you know, um, but I think it's an easy thing to do. Right. But, uh, anyways, my, my thought on it would be where Dave Newton reports that the Browns were willing to eat 3.5 million. What? I mean, come on, bro. You got, I mean, the Browns got to be knowing that they're willing to come off of more than 3.5 million on giraffe night to say, like you gotta be willing to eat eight to ten, right? Like I mean, yeah, I mean you're, you're still in, saving you're saving fifteen in, million at that point plus yes, compensation and yes. you're getting rid of the headache. So like I'd be willing to pay more than that, but one hundred percent. That's how I was like, What? That's all? Like, are you kidding me? Like, what do you think I mean, you're misreading the room if you think that you're gonna get somebody to say okay to that. Like, nobody's gonna accept that. Um, so that was where I was like kinda shocked. Um 
like somewhere in the middle there, right? Panthers at three, three to thirteen to fourteen. Browns at three and a half. Like, how about eight guys? You know, or nine? Let's split the baby, right? Uh, so I don't know. Um, anyways, a lot of uh, we'll finish up on this. And thanks, Sam. You've been fat, fantastic. Sam Penix of Dog Pound Daily, uh, PFF Pro Football Focus Data Analyst, and uh, Browns Digest. Uh, film study and more as we look, take a, took a look at one of his articles today. He's been great tonight, Sam. Um, let's look at, uh, okay, so Vegas, right? Does, hasn't put out any, at least or to last week, won't put out win loss totals on the Brown season until they get some, uh, kind of ruling for the NFL. So I want to throw this out there. What if the NFL gives Watson six games suspended for this season? What would you put the Browns' win-loss total at? Hmm. I'd probably say nine or ten. I okay. think that the first nine. four, the first four are winnable with reset for sure. Yeah, the next four become a lot more difficult, but. Well, Brissett, I think, is worse than a healthy Mayfield. Like, he's he's not as good as Mayfield was in 21. Right. I think Brissett is certainly better than the Mayfield we got. In, or, I'm getting my years mixed up. Brissett is not as good as Mayfield was in 2020, but he is better than what Mayfield was in 21. Sure. So I think if you, if you have Brissett as a starter, especially considering that the roster is better than what it's last year, I think this should be a playoff team. Regardless of Watson's status, so I, if he's not playing, I think I think nine, eight, nine, ten wins is is feasible with a with a percent yeah. led team. Yeah, I agree. I had nine and a hook, nine point five, right? Uh, especially with the the four the first four games, right? Like that's huge, right? Like if if you took those first four games and sprinkled those games throughout the schedule, I might feel a little bit differently about it, right? But the fact that it opens up the way that it does really leans itself to uh the Browns maybe being able to weather that storm at the beginning of the season, right? Right. And I think that ends up being the most likely scenario. And this team can definitely win with Brissett as the quarterback, especially with you know their their offensive line and the running game. So I think even in that in that case, it, it this should be a playoff team. Sure, totally agree. Hey, uh, Sam, thank you, man. Uh, any final words? Thanks for uh, coming on the show. We're gonna have, I'm gonna have you back here in a couple of weeks if that's cool with you. Yeah, I always appreciate talking to you and, and coming on. Yeah, always enjoy it. Uh, wish i could do it more often but you know life happens and it does it's not always easy to, to get a free moment but glad i was able to tonight yeah me too me too sam it was a pleasure sam Penix, go uh go follow him go listen to him go read him at dog pound daily he's a data analyst over at pff and you can read him also at brown's digest uh at brown's digest si on twitter uh, great job, Sam, and thank you very much for Mikey on the ones and twos and the fantastic Sam Penix. I am Brad Ward, and we are out. <laughs>